This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is political theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. The instability of the House of Representatives was on full display this week with the first ever ouster of a speaker, which led to the first ever use of the continuity of government rules put in after 9-11 to install a speaker pro tempore, Representative Patrick McHenry. What can he do? No one's really sure, but right now he's focused on getting the chamber to elect a new speaker next week. And if you remember how that turned out in January... Who knows how long it'll take? I'm political theater podcaster pro tempore Herb Jackson, and I'll be talking about all of this with Roll Call Editor-at-Large John Bennett on today's podcast. Host Jason Dick has been vacated from the chair, but we expect he's a shoe-in to be re-elected to another term soon. Okay, John, you and I talked to each other this week, probably more than we have in the previous nine months combined. Uh, (laughs) As you like to write in the CQ afternoon briefing, let's do this for the next few minutes. You were up there. What did it look like to you at the start of the week? At the start of the week, it looked like there was um, uh, an outside chance, at least, that House Democrats would um, would decide the devil they 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 know Kevin McCarthy, the former speaker now Kevin McCarthy, would be better than uh, the devil they don't know, uh, and that devil is still TBD. Uh, we will find out maybe next week uh, who who the the duly elected um, permanent speaker is. I'm not sure that you can say anyone's going to finish out this Congress in the speakership <laughs> right now. Uh, we could be doing this again in a few months. Uh, we could be doing this again in eight months, mu- eight, nearly nine months uh, by the as the crow flies. So uh, what we what we thought was, you know, enough Democrats would there were there were floor tactics uh, at their disposal. They could have voted. Uh, they could have voted present on what's called a motion to vacate. That means kill um, the, a motion to vacate the motion to table the motion to vacate. Uh, we're professionals, folks. We promise. But they didn't vote uh, present on the motion to table, which would have lowered the vote threshold that that needed to pass. That would have set aside Florida Republican Congressman Matt Gates's vacate the chair motion. I uh, did not. It passed. And so did the vacate motion. So um, Democrats voted with um, eight Republicans on the motion to vacate. They stayed together as a block, just like they they have pretty much this entire Congress to the surprise of some, and uh, there is no duly elected speaker. But at the beginning of the week, it looked like Democrats were going to sit tight, uh, or most of them sit tight, but uh, just enough of them saved McCarthy. They got together in a room uh, earlier this week and and talked about what to do, and they decided as a group that they were not going to save McCarthy. I talked to a number of them coming out of that meeting, as did uh, our colleagues, and you know they said they thought Kevin McCarthy was the worst speaker maybe in U.S. history. They felt he had abused his power with, you know, investigations of President Biden and his son, Hunter Biden, and other moves. Of course, the the formal impeachment inquiry into the Bidens. Um, And then, you know, one thing that both parties 
agreed agreed on and ultimately sunk uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, was just this this notion that you couldn't trust the guy. And, you know, there was a deal in January with the conservative bloc. They felt McCarthy went back on that a number of times, including when he cut a deal uh, with Joe Biden over the debt ceiling and, and, and put in some spending caps in June. And just about everybody then believed that McCarthy broke his agreement with Biden in one way or another. It depends on who you ask exactly how they thought that. Um, but those are that, that's basically it. And, and conservatives want, conservatives got a lot out of McCarthy. I mean, I've written that he just placated them over and over and it was never going to be enough. And, you know, really the, the starting the formal impeachment inquiry um, into President Biden, you know, a lot of Demo- a number of Democrats cited that earlier this week. Uh, that was, you know, I said on another podcast that I did that 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 may ultimately come back to to be one of the clumsier moves that we've seen from a speaker, and and I think that did prove itself. Yeah, I, I you know we had to quote from uh, one of the Congress people that uh, he got nothing for taking that stance on impeachment. He didn't get any support, and in fact. What the the immediate trigger of this obviously was last weekend when the when there was after last Friday, a week ago uh, that you know the attempt to put up a continuing resolution to keep the government from shutting down at the end of September 30th failed was defeated uh, mostly by Democrats and also by a few Republicans. We thought we were going into a shutdown last weekend. And instead, McCarthy comes out and says, here's this uh, continuing resolution. It's got everything everybody's been looking for except money for Ukraine. And it goes through the week before Thanksgiving. And he says, let's pass it right away. And Democrats were furious uh, because they hadn't given, been gotten a chance to read it. And then McCarthy goes on Sunday TV and says the Democrats were trying to shut the government down. And we were told that uh, he they played video of him saying that in their conference on Tuesday when he was counting on them to maybe save him from the, the guillotine that was coming at him. Uh, so it, it, it does seem like he he had a whole lot going against him. Mm, uh, for but, sure. but they did seem confident <laughs> at the start <laughs> of the week that it was all going to blow over was – do you think that was just bluster or did they actually have a deal that blew up on them? You know, I, I, I do think that they calculated and, and I had had these thoughts and, and, and um, said them out loud to some folks as we were waiting in hallways, you know, the conservative bloc caved ultimately in January. That's when McCarthy got the gavel. They caved in June when he cut the debt deal with Biden and um, there was another cave recently. So that's at least three. I guess the calculation there was we'll get this thing on the floor. They'll get to vote on the motion to table and just enough of them will give in or Democrats lower the threshold enough of like the, the moderate Democrats. in. there are still some competitive districts out there, believe it or not. And there are some Democrats who who represent those. It was just it was another bad calculation. And, you know, McCarthy never really had a finger on the pulse of the conference. Yeah, and, I mean, we, we, we did see 11 Republican no's on the motion to table, yeah. which is what killed it. And that dropped to eight. In addition to Matt Gates, where Andy Biggs, Ken Buck, uh, 
Burchett, Crane, Good, Rosendahl, and the one that surprised me, Nancy Mace. So what was going on there? She's a member from South Carolina who was in a tough race last year uh, and ended up winning the seat. Uh, I think when McCarthy gave his speech about how some of them got elected because he helped them get elected, I think he was talking about her. Uh-huh. But what was her? What was what turned her off of uh, McCarthy? She claims that she had a number of bills uh, that would have that would have been you know helped the lives of, of women, and she had talked to the speak to the no, to then Speaker McCarthy about those bills, and he had agreed, kind of a handshake agreement, to move those bills to the floor and that she would get votes on them. That never happened. And she's she she's been angry about that for a while. I talked to her a couple months ago um, in a hallway, and 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 she mentioned that as and she mentioned that she mentioned that the debt deal spending caps were too high uh, back in June when I talked to her. Uh, but it was really the bills, um, the 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 pro women uh, policy bills. And now in a remarkable press conference uh, Wednesday evening after he was no longer speaker, McCarthy. Uh, pulled back the curtain and and said he talked to Mace's chief of staff who admitted to him that he had kept his promise and, you know, that the bills had gotten some attention and some legislative work was done on them, maybe not on the floor. Um, you know, that's kind of a he said, she said. And how you feel about Kevin McCarthy is probably that's who you're going to believe on that one. Uh, but but we, don't, we, we didn't see that a lot. Uh, in in his speakership, we didn't see him going back and forth with individual members that much, um, and I suspect the next speaker is going to have to do some of that publicly uh, and try to put pressure on folks. McCarthy tried to play really an inside game that that just didn't work out, and we'll see if the next speaker uh, brings a different style to the job. I think he or she will have to, as I heard a McCarthy ally. Um, in between one of the votes, um, admit that Kevin has a very unique leadership style. And when asked if that was sustainable, we just kind of got a got a kind of a grimace and a sideways right. head. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, just just for the numbers, you know, Kevin's Kevin McCarthy's reign as speaker was the third shortest in history um, at two hundred sixty nine or two hundred seventy days, depending on whether you count when he won it. Um, it, uh, because he won it just after midnight in January, uh, he beat Michael Kerr of Indiana, who was speaker for 258 days. And the all-time winner is Theodore Pomeroy of New York, who became speaker on March 3rd, 1869 and served for one day. Uh, that was at the end of a Congress because they used to be sworn in later in the year. But now, I mean, McCarthy going in, he also just a few more numbers, uh, you know, I have a on my desk a, 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 a newspaper we did on March in November of 2021, a year before the midterm elections, and it has one of our R.J. Matson cartoons on it, and there's uh, elephant football players spiking the ball at the 50 yard line while the donkey players with Coach Biden can't get out of the huddle, and everybody was thinking this was going to be a red wave, and instead. They came in with the same narrow majority that Speaker Pelosi had before him, uh, that basically they couldn't afford to lose more than five seats, four, five votes, if all the Democrats were voting against them. And 
So they had to deal with that from the beginning. That's one of the reasons that McCarthy took 15 ballots to become speaker. But, you know, whoever succeeds him will still be dealing with that majority and potentially uh, bad feelings about what just went down this week. I mean, you have people talking. I mean, do you really think there's any chance any of these people who are saying we got to expel people from the conference are really going to be expelled? I don't think so. I mean, the, the only, um, you know, depending on what this House House ethics investigation into um, into a into the situation with Mr. Gates and you know the sex trafficking allegations that the Justice Department looked into and chose to not charge him with any uh, any any criminal wrongdoing, um, you know, that's really the only the only threat that anybody would be expel, uh, expelled from the House. Um, and I mean, expelled the from the conference. Oh, from the conference. Um, you know, they they need every vote they can get. And you'd rather have those people inside the tent than outside. If, if you know, if, I'm sure our, our readers, our, our listeners are familiar with that old phrase. You want to keep those guys inside the tent. Yeah. And so one of the other amazing things about this was how no one seemed to know what came next if it happened, which it did. So part of it is that McCarthy had to leave a list with the House clerk with a li- with names who could fill in as speaker pro tem if he couldn't finish his term if the speaker became va- the seat became vacant this was anticipated that what if it was a terrorist attack right yeah. so McHenry is suddenly standing there and he says uh, we're going to recess to figure out what to do and practically breaks the podium with this with the gavel blow but what can McHenry do? Not very much. He can uh, turn the lights on and off. He, we think he can, he, he can begin and end legislative days. Um, he can't pass legislation. He can't bring anything to the floor. He can oversee a speaker's race, which is what he's going to do. Um, at least the plan for now is starting Wednesday. Well, uh, I mean, there, there are some people who are saying they think he can do that, and it's, it's going to be – it doesn't look like he's going to try and find out, uh, but, no. but yeah, it is. It is just so. So, but he, right now he's focused on let's elect the speaker next week, right? Yeah. There's a that's right. There's a private conference for Republicans coming next at the at the beginning of the week, and then they're supposed to vote on Wednesday. So where where do we see that shaping up right now? What Republicans want to do, at least McHenry and and others, is meet in their conference in private starting on Tuesday. Hopefully they want to finish on Tuesday and settle on um, one conference nominee for speaker. Now, Kevin McCarthy in in January won that election behind closed doors, and then all kinds of maneuvering and hijinks went on when they got to the floor. So that's the the trick here is is to get a name out of conference that most, that, that at least the majority of the conference supports to get it on the floor to start that process. And, and we saw last time that was what, um, however many days and, and 15 ballots later, McCarthy uh, in the wee hours of the morning became the 55th speaker. So you want to start that process. If it takes three or four days, it takes three or four days. Um, but, you know, members uh, like to go home on the weekends. So you started on Wednesday and maybe Friday night, uh, there's white smoke coming out of the Capitol Dome. And right now we have 
the current majority leader, Steve Scalise, Louisiana, and the Judiciary Chairman, Jim Jordan of Ohio running. Anybody else going to get in? Can either of them get to, what is it, 216, 217 that they yeah. need? It's it's not two eighteen. It's it's below that. I think it, it might be two sixteen or seventeen. You're right. Um, Ken, because yeah. we, we still have we, empty seats in in Rhode Island. In you know, if yeah. this goes until the week after the election, the Rhode Island the Democrats will pick up one seat from Rhode Island. But you know, right. <laughs> Hopefully, it won't for our sake at least, and uh, and the and the country's sake because we've got a, a government funding a deadline in about forty days. So they've got to resolve this and and get back to get back to work. Um, Right now, it's a two two man race. Uh, others could get in. It looks like McHenry is not going to get in at least at least right now. Now, can it, can either Mr. Jordan or Mr. Scalise get to two sixteen or two seventeen? Not with the other one in the race. I think you know that's going to splinter the vote. You know, Jordan's going to get um, uh, the 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 more far right. He'll probably get some of those eight. He might not get all of those eight. That he'll get a lot of those eight that voted uh, to oust McCarthy, and uh, Scalise is going to be more the candidate of of your House moderates, including the Biden eighteen. Of course, those are uh, Republicans that won seats that won districts in twenty twenty two that President Biden won in twenty twenty. So you got to I would guess those guys, most of them at least, are going to go with Scalise. Um, so you can you can see in 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 this world where. Um, you know, Scalise gets this half of the conference and Jordan gets this half and you might have some folks, you know, here and here and then over here and who can pick up, um, who can pick up those, those, those undecideds um, might have a leg up, at least in conference on the floor. This could just become a lengthy battle of who's tired of being in the room who who's tired of, of running to the bathroom and coming back to vote and who wants to get home and, and, you know, see the family or raise money or what, what the various things lawmakers do when they go back to their districts. So, um, you know, I don't think anyone so far expects this to be resolved necessarily on Wednesday. Now for the, for the health and well being And, you know, there's a lot of ill will in that room in the Republican conference, uh, Steve Womack, a congressman, uh, from Arkansas, told reporters after the vote on uh, on Wednesday that he was worried about fisticuffs breaking out. So McHenry, you know, is, you know, he sent them home in part to cool down, not right. just to to get the speaker's race going with I declare and he's declaring and he might get in and he wants to be majority leader and they want to be whipped. Um, but also just to, you know, it's like when your parents told you and your brother to to go to separate rooms. Um, McHenry did some of that this week. Um, but you know, for, for the sake of the conference and for the sake of getting back to work, because, you know, even Matt Gates says he wants to move the remaining eight house, uh, Republican spending bills for the sake of all that, you know, if, if they could work this out Tuesday night amongst themselves, get unanimity on, on who can get to two sixteen or two seventeen and wrap this up Wednesday, that would be better for everyone, but that's not how this Congress has operated so far. There's no evidence uh, that this is going to be anything but noisy and long. And, and and just to be clear, it's it's not just winning a majority of the Republican votes. You actually have to win a majority of all the votes in the House. Uh, and, and when we were going through multiple ballots in January, the first 14 ballots, 
The top vote getter was Hakeem Jeffries, the Democratic leader, because the Democrats never broke. He just never could get a single Republican vote. Yeah. Um, and McCarthy was always the lead vote getter among the Republicans. Yeah. He just never could get enough of his caucus, which they had a majority on, to get him over the top. So those same rules will apply. And, you know, we, we could have, again, we talked about voting present. If, if two Democrats vote present, that's effectively one vote for McCarthy, you know, right. or one vote for whoever is the leader, that, it, that they don't have to overcome a vote that would be going up for Jeffries. Um, yeah. And it's, it, it, you have to do it on paper, but it makes sense. But going forward, like what, where, where do you see fallout from this continuing to litter the, 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 the calendar for the fall? I mean, look no further than what I referred to earlier, which um, which is the 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 continuing resolution, which is going to expire, and that means government funding will will run out again in mid November, and and McCarthy is out largely because he just could not satisfy the Gates Eight on spending, even though he gave in and gave in and and gave ground and gave them what they wanted over here and did it again on Tuesday and same thing on the Thursday. Uh, so the next speaker is going to have to to solve something of a of a uh, not even a riddle. It's um, I don't even know. It's it, it's just solving this problem of what's enough. What do they want? And and I don't think anybody really knows fully what the Gates Eight wants. Um, and, you know, maybe Jim Jordan, who who's more in line with them. He used to be a freedom. He was a founding member of the Freedom Caucus. So maybe he has a better idea of, you know, policy-wise and spending-wise, what these eight, any day, it's, it's eight to 15, and 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 the names can change who's in the eight and who's the other seven. So, so you know, these, so you, these you have, you, you've not mentioned this, the name of the former president yet. Do, uh, do, we, do we put any stock at all in the Donald Trump could come in and take this? You know, Speaker is is different. You, you have to be present. Um, you need to be talking to your members. You know, it's a, if you, for those of us who have spent time outside of speaker Pelosi's office or speaker Boehner's office or McCarthy's office in, in, in the Capitol, you know, it's a steady flow of people in and out. There's meetings all day when they're in, even when they're not, uh, they're just meeting with folks and, you know, what can how far can you go on this bill or what what can I trade on that bill and what do you need and um you know in a way that suits Trump's personality because he loves attention he loves to feel like people are asking him for things but he was not very good as president at making deals with Congress usually it was Mark Short who was briefly his legislative liaison or his vice president, Mike Pence, of course, they've broken up now. Uh, but it was though it was folks like that who they were leading the negotiation. They were making the deals with Congress. Pence is the one who negotiated the end of the shutdown that bridged 2018 and 2019. And by the way, you know, Trump got nothing really in return for, for agreeing to sign the bill that ended that shutdown. So, um, you know, as much as the former president might be saying this, putting it out on his social media platform. He's got two rallies this weekend 
I believe Iowa and New Hampshire. I'm sure he's going to tell us that he'd be the greatest speaker in U.S. history. But it his personality, you know, in, in a lot of ways might be suited for part of the job. But, you know, he's not going to want to do some of the ceremonial things like they're unveiling a portrait and he has to be in the CVC uh, rotunda or, or foyer for a, a 90 minute ceremony where he might give three minutes of remarks. I mean, he might turn it into a campaign rally like everything else. But, you know, there's a lot of the job that he's not going to like. And Kevin McCarthy was not home very much. Kevin McCarthy was out raising money and helping his candidates. Um, that's really how he got the speakership, because he had raised so much money and handed it out. Trump's not going to want to do that. He's going to want to play golf on Saturday. And But the amazing thing about this is when we talk about it, the job is what the speaker makes the job, you know, True. which creates the possibility that you get a Trump or somebody else as speaker to satisfy certain people, but the majority leader is the one who mm-hmm. actually runs yeah. the conference um, and makes the decisions. And that's the other wild card here is yeah. could they come out of that Tuesday meeting with that kind of power sharing agreement? Uh, we will certainly watch. No one really will broach that subject right now because you want your guy to win, right? Yeah. But when if it becomes clear that nobody's going to win, then somebody's going to have to get them together. Uh, you know, uh, the, the other thing when we talk about the fallout is that, you know, our, our, our gun pod team, as we like to call them, the defense reporters clearly pointed out that What's going to really be diff- even more difficult now is passing funding for Ukraine. The, you know, Biden is President Biden has been pushing very hard for that, uh, and they're, they're, it's one of those things where if it went up for a clean vote, it would probably get bipartisan majorities, uh, but maybe not two eighteen in the House. You know, uh, from the Republicans, so it's it's going to be really difficult for them to slide that in now. Uh, but you know, we didn't do, you know, we did some disaster aid, but we, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that'll suddenly come and, and be knocking on the door. Yeah. Um, if you watch the news the last couple of days, no one was watching anything else. So if Republicans were hoping that they'd be able to use 10 busloads of migrants arriving in Chicago a day to make Democrats look bad. Or even Congressman Henry Cuellar's carjacking in Washington, D.C. No one was probably aware of those things taking place because of this drama. It's not a good look. And it, it just looks like more chaos. And um, it, it really it does raise serious questions about their ability uh, to get anything done. And, you know, and, and this was right, you know, bumped up right against a shutdown threat that was Republicans threatening to shut down the government. I mean, even Senate Republicans were all but begging uh, the, the conservatives in the House to, to stand down and let McCarthy do what he ultimately did, uh, but maybe not at the 11th hour. So, you know, they're on an island, but as long as the motion to vacate threshold is one member can force that vote. They're going to have outsized influence and and, you know, folks can snicker and 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 poke fun at, at, at those eight or those eight to 20, depending on the day, eight to 15. But they have a lot of say. Now, there is there is bipartisan interest in the House at changing some of the rules that McCarthy negotiated to become speaker, including the motion to vacate being one member. 
Uh, they want to raise that so this doesn't happen over and over and over. So we'll see when they might even get to that on the floor. They, you know, they the Republicans want to finish these spending bills. They'll have to do something in 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 November um, to keep the government open. And just the way this all works, and the Senate hasn't passed a single one of its spending bills, they're not. They're going to need another CR. I think we can say that we've watched this long enough. They're going to need one right before Thanksgiving. Kick this into December. Maybe get a big spending package. But oh, by the way, the problem with what, what's called an omnibus is the Gates eight. The Gates eight to fifteen said no more omnibuses. Not now. Not ever. So unless you raise the motion to vacate threshold, or Speaker Jordan, or Speaker Scalise, or the power sharing mega powers puts an omnibus on the floor that's been blessed by Chuck Schumer and Akeem Jeffries and Joe Biden, well, it's motion to vacate time part two. Yep. Um, you know, and we made it this far without mentioning the word hideaways. I guess we'll <laughs> save that for another day. But uh, just for, suffice to say, people can look it up. But uh, former Speaker Pelosi and former Majority Leader Hoyer are going to have to walk further to get to votes for the rest of the uh, session. Uh, but that's enough for this week's political theater podcast, even though political theater never really ends. Just so you know, this Sunday, the three House Democrats uh, who are running for the Senate in California are going to meet in a debate that Roll Call is co-sponsoring. And we have one of our reporters on the panel asking the questions. We'll have a live stream feed of that in English and Spanish on RollCall.com, plus coverage of the event and a transcript on our site once it's over. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the political newsletter that we put out every Thursday at the races. Uh, you can get it on rollcall.com. And until next time, when I hope that Jason Dick is back in this chair, I'm Herb Jackson. Thank you, John. Thank you.